we'll be resuming 1 Thessalonians in October and we're starting a new section so there's no point starting that this Sunday evening because this is my last Sunday evening with you. So the Lord has led me and I, again I'm grateful for your prayers that the Lord would guide me to those messages that he would have me deliver and the message that the Lord has laid on my heart this evening is a verse found in 1 Samuel 23. You can probably guess what we're going to look at. Verse 16, verse 16. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. I know Nathan has been going through the life of David and that's uh, been most helpful and I just want to uh, contribute something uh, to that and also in the men's breakfast not all that long ago we were looking at friends and the discipline of friendship and here we have a beautiful illustration of true Christian friendship. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And David here is at his point of greatest need. He has delivered the city of Cala from the Philistines, so he has saved them. Uh, Saul, hearing that he is there, remember Saul is hounding David. And Saul, hearing that David is in Cala, thinks, ah, I've got him now. And sad to say, the men of Cala after being saved by David, they betray him and deliver him into the hands of Saul. They must have been completely taken in in order to do that. And David, seeking the Lord, remember, he had the ephod with him. He flees and he's out in the wilderness, in the forest of Ziph. I'm imagining a wild wood and uh, amongst the boulders, uh, David is there uh, in the depths and he feels abandoned, abandoned by those that he had shown kindness to. And it's at this moment that Jonathan appears and encourages him. Encourage means to strengthen. Now, let's look at this. Have you got friends? Have you got a Jonathan? Loneliness is an epidemic, isn't it, in our society? And it's possible to be lonely even in the family of God. Now, we must be very careful here that we don't try to control one another's lives. God has made us all different, and he wants us to be ourselves. And, of course, grace doesn't change our personalities, but it does transform them so we'll still have our personalities so that means that some of you are going to be gregarious you will always want company and others and i'm probably in this category we could spend all day without seeing anybody and not be stressed so we must be ourselves but you can be lonely in a crowd you understand that? 
So loneliness isn't about a person who is shy, enjoying his own company. We don't necessarily say that that person is lonely. An exuberant person can have many friends on Facebook and still be lonely. And of course, you can be a withdrawn person and you can be crippled by loneliness. So we must get to the root cause of loneliness. It's this sense of isolation. This is what David was feeling. It doesn't matter that he's the anointed king. He, he's isolated. Uh, the psalm that I read at the beginning, how did he express himself there? No man cares for my soul. Have you been there? That's loneliness. And isn't it ironic in a day when people have so many friends on social media? I, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't have any friends on Facebook. But, but people can have so many thousands of friends and yet not have a single true friend. So have you got a friend? Are you suffering from this epidemic of loneliness because as Christians we can be more prone to it and don't say to me ah but we've got the Lord I know we've got the Lord but we can't just parrot fashion quote that one of my favorite chapters in Tozer has got the title the saints must walk alone and David had the Lord here but he still suffered from loneliness. So if a person is suffering from loneliness, don't go up to them and try to comfort them by saying you've got the Lord. <laughs> As Christians, we are different, aren't we? And we don't go with the world. So we can be lonely in a school, in a college, in a family. But you know what? You can be lonely even amongst Christians in a church. So let, let's just look at this. I've just got some thoughts and then we'll be done, um, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, let's see uh, how Jonathan here is a friend to David so that we can have a friend. Uh, let me say one more thing uh, about friendship. The perfect human being, Jesus Christ, he had friends, didn't he? Do you know who he called his friends? His disciples, you are my friends. Do you know what Jesus Christ also had? Within the 12 disciples, he had an inner group of even deeper friendship. Now, sometimes we are told that we can't have friends if we're pastors. Well, we are more holy than Jesus Christ then. We can't have cliques, but we can have friends. Jesus had Peter James and John as an inner ring of friends. It's not human not to have friends. Jesus Christ wasn't married. He was single, the perfect man, but he had friends. God is Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there is communion isn't there so even God in a sense 
has relationships. So it's vital, whether we're single or married, whether we are extrovert or introvert, it's, it's this relationship that we need. Now, let's look at this. How can we learn about friendship from this chapter, from David and Jonathan? Forgive me, Nathan, if I steal some of your thunder. First, a friend comes to us. Uh, let's look at verse 16. Then Jonathan arose and went to David in the woods. Aren't you amazed by that? David at this point is toxic in Israel. The king wants to kill him. Nobody wants to associate themselves with David. But at this time, when it's risky, Jonathan isn't interested in politics. He goes to David. He goes to him. He doesn't care if he's going to be seen with David. Aren't you amazed, as Nathan has been doing in the Bible studies, talking about this, that Jonathan, of all people, should be friends with David? It's the last person you'd expect Jonathan to be knitted together to. After David was triumphant over Goliath, that's when, we're told, this friendship developed. It was friendship that happened all of a sudden. As Jonathan's heart was knitted to the heart and soul of David. If you've got a Bible, look at chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 1. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Can you say that this friendship is even deeper than the relationship of husband and wife? Because it's a soul to soul. Is it possible to say that our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ goes deeper even than an intimate physical relationship in a marriage? Because a marriage will one day come to an end till death us do part. But when we are joined to Christ and when we have brothers and sisters in Christ, then that's going to last forever. This friendship between David and Jonathan has been twisted today, hasn't it? To justify all sorts of things that the Bible condemns. But irrespective of that, in literature, this is a celebrated friendship as well. So Jonathan comes to David. Jonathan, who is the king's son, is coming to the one, and he knows that David is anointed as the next king. Can you see the problem? Jonathan isn't bothered by the fact that David is going to take his place. Sometimes in friendship, we think, don't we, what can I get out of somebody? There's a degree of manipulation then. We make friends with them in order that we might be enriched. Jonathan is giving of himself in order to be friends with David. Uh, we're told at the close of our reading, verse 18, the two of them made a covenant again. They made a covenant before, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. But what did they say in the covenant? 
Jonathan said to David, you shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. He got that wrong because in God's plan, Jonathan was going to be killed. But Jonathan was right. David was going to be king. Are you willing to give? Are you willing to play second fiddle? Isn't that what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was like? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Jonathan was the favorite of the army. Not only was the, the next line in uh, the lineage for the throne, but he was the favorite of the army before David killed Goliath. It would have been very easily for Jonathan to have become envious and to be eaten up by a bitter spirit, seeing David now as the favourite. He's willing to give David the place. Can, can, can you see what kind of thing friendship is about? It's not about touchy-feely only. What else did Jonathan do before this when Saul was speaking against David? Saul was slandering David all the time. And what did Jonathan do? Did Jonathan stay quiet? Of course he didn't. Jonathan spoke up for his friend. This is what friends do. A friend supports you even when it costs. Are we friends? Are you ready to stand up for somebody, even if it means you become unpopular? And at this moment, this was the critical time for David. Uh, it looks as if David is going to be killed. At one point, David said, didn't he, I'm about uh, to go mad. I can't take it anymore. And it's at this time that Jonathan comes to him. Are we such people? Are we such who will still stand by somebody when everybody else has abandoned them? Are we a friend that sticks closer than any brother? Jonathan didn't think of his family. He didn't think of his blood ties. He put his friendship with David before that because he realized David was God's anointed he put God before, even family. Are we doing that? So this is the first thing. A friend comes to somebody. There's a phrase, isn't there, which is lovely, get alongside. Are we the kind of people that gets alongside one another? We had somebody once in my first church in Cargurle, they were not very uh, public in their gifts, so they would never be able to stand and give a talk. But what they were brilliant at was getting alongside people. What is it to get alongside people? It's not to give people a spiel <laughs> or just quote verses. Now, we'll come to that in a minute because there is a place to do that. It's, it's not just to be mechanical. It's to be there. The fact, I think, that Jonathan came to David in the woods meant everything. 
uh, a number of years ago, a couple in a Welsh-speaking church in West Wales lost their son. It was a terrible tragedy. And they had, a couple they knew, travel all the way from the north of England, all the way down to southwest Wales. And they only stayed a few minutes. They, they just hugged them and let them know that they were thinking of them. And then they drove all the way back to the northeast. That's getting alongside. When somebody is struggling, I find these are great to text. Just say, thinking of you. There's no need to give a sermon. So that's the first thing. A friend comes, a friend gets alongside. And then look at what Jonathan does. He doesn't just come, does he? Verse 16 again. Then Jonathan's soul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in the Lord. I like that. Strengthened his hand. Jonathan is being a Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas means? I think it was a nickname given to this deacon because he was such an encourager. They called him the son of encouragement, Barnabas. To encourage is to lift one another's arms. And Jonathan here is strengthening David's hand in the Lord. I'm imagining here David's hand is trembling. <laughs> um, I remember once going up um, Creeb Goch, the narrow erects going up Snowdon, and there was somebody who was going up for the first time, and they had frozen. They were just stuck there, and they were holding everybody else back. And then somebody went up to them, and they did what I think Jonathan did to David. They were so frozen, they were shaking. And all this person did was put their hand in the hand of this person, and they lifted their hand up and put it in the right handhold. And then they did the same with the other hand, put it in the right hand hold. Then they got hold of the foot, the boot, and they put it in the foothold. And gradually they helped the person. He strengthened his hand in God. Simple but beautiful words. He put David's hand, as it were, into God's hand. Is your hand trembling at this moment? Have you got to the place where David often found himself in the Psalms? Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Deep calleth unto deep. I am being overwhelmed. Have you ever been in a place where you can't even pray? All you can do is cry to the Lord. Have you been in a dark place where you can't even read the word? It's too much for you. Have you got yourself into a dark place where you think that everything and everybody are against you? Even people who try to quote verses to help you, you think they are speaking against you? Have you been there? My friends, when your hands are trembling, you need somebody to be able to hold your hand. And you need somebody to be able to put your hand in God's almighty hands. What about the greater than Jonathan? Jesus Christ, he will not break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax. 
What does Jonathan do? How do I strengthen my brother's hand if they're trembling? Well, you don't say to them, look here, you've got to have more faith. <laughs> Stop being anxious. Pull yourself together. You, you, you don't do that. You'll break them. May God forgive me every time I've done that. What do you do? You get alongside them and you listen. And you listen. And you listen. Putting somebody's hand in God's hand, sometimes all it means is just a pat on the shoulder. It's all right. It's all right. What does Jonathan do here as well? I said we don't quote verses parrot fashion, but he does quote the word. Verse 17, he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Don't fear the hand of a man. The hand of God is stronger. And then he says, You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. What is Jonathan doing? He's quoting the promise to David. He's reminding him of the fact that God has anointed him. And however impossible it may look at this moment in time, he's saying, look here, David. It looks as if it's never going to happen. But hang on in there and just hold on to the promise. I, I like the idea of holding on to the ropes of the promises. Think of the climber again. Lord, I am weak, but thou art mighty. And you're holding on to me by these ropes of the promises. Dale Ralph Davis calls this faithful reasoning. So it's a bit like this, isn't it? I'm struggling. I'm uh, in the dark. It seems as if everything is giving way. It seems as if even my faith is breaking. What do I do? I remind myself of the promises of God. What does a friend do? A friend may text me. A friend may just gently remind me of what God has said in his word. And there are so many promises, aren't there? Somebody said to me, I don't know if this is right, be not afraid is repeated 365 times in the Bible, one for each day. Don't correct me if that's wrong. I haven't checked but it's not just that promise. You've got promise after promise that you can hold on to. Are we encouragers, brothers and sisters? Do you know what Mark Twain, the writer, said? He said, I can live for two months on a word of encouragement. And yet one word of destructive criticism can break a person's spirit. I said when I started this new year, I haven't kept to this, but I said one of my vows was to try and make somebody's day, if possible. I haven't kept to it. But it's a good, it's a good desire to have, isn't it? And I don't mean that lightly. I, I was driving to church last Sunday, and in the car in front, um, I think it was, what was it on the back window there were these words written 
Try and always be kind to somebody. You don't know what struggles they may be going through. Then one last thought. A friend comes, gets alongside. A friend encourages in the Lord. Let me just give you, before I come to the last thoughts, Paul, just to give a New Testament example. Do do you know Paul? Of course you know Paul. Not personally, but we know of him. The great apostle to the Gentiles. Do, Do you know Paul was sometimes denounced as a false apostle? Do you know, in many of his letters, Paul had to defend his apostleship against those that were slandering him. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, he talks about Tim, um, not Tim, well, he does say this about Timothy, but he says about Titus, God who comforts the downcast comforted us, comforted me by the coming of Titus, so that I rejoice still more. Paul was going through a tough time, and Titus coming alongside him just encouraged him. Kent Hughes, in his chapter on friendship, says the Titus touch, the Titus touch transformed Paul. You would have thought, wouldn't you, that the great apostle Paul, the one who wrote some of the greatest epistles in the New Testament, the one whom God appointed as the apostle to the Gentiles, you would have thought that he would have been popular all his life. He wasn't. Do you know how he ended his life? writing to another encourager, Timothy, and Paul was encouraging Timothy as well. It should have been the other way around because Paul was the one in prison about to be executed and Timothy is the one who could have been encouraging him, but Timothy's hand was trembling and it is Paul who steadies it. But how does Paul put it towards the end of 2 Timothy? These are some of the last words that he ever wrote. He says that people had turned away from him he says Demas has forsaken me Uh, Demas was a co-worker and then he talks about Luke as the only one who's still with him he says Mark thank God Mark who was useless has now been transformed thank God bring him with you for he's useful to me for the ministry and he goes on to talk about at my first defense no one stood with me but all forsook me May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me. That's my last thoughts. What a picture we have here of the greater than Jonathan, Jesus Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. There will be times like with David, like with the great Apostle Paul, where you will find yourself bereft, and then the Lord can come. He can. I can testify to that. Other ministers can testify to it. Other Christians can testify to it. I'm reminded of Hubert Clements there in the hospital. Remember Hubert? He was quite a character, wasn't he? A godly man, a character at that And he was ill in hospital a number of years ago, and he came to preach here a few months afterwards with great power. And what had happened to him in the hospital was this. He was downcast, and he couldn't couldn't raise his spirits. And then one day his wife came to visit him in the evening, and he was transformed. And she asked him, Hubert, what happened to you? And he said, oh, I had a visitor. I had a visitor. The Lord drew near. 
And I remember Hubert coming to preach a few months after that in this church, and it was the gospel that he preached with great power because his visitor had refreshed him. Jesus Christ is the greater than Jonathan. This talk isn't there about the covenant. I think, Nathan, you mentioned this in your Bible study, uh, that lovely description of the covenant uh, that Jonathan and David made before this. Uh, what, what happened? Uh, Jonathan stripped himself of his royal robes and he gave them to uh, the shepherd boy, David. Isn't that a picture of our greater than Jonathan, Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. He didn't just come into this world to uh, go after us, the lost sheep. He didn't just in his ministry uh, attract. He didn't uh, repel the uh, sinners in society. He drew them. He drew them with the cords of love. And he went to their homes. He didn't touch at them. He loved them. He was truly the friend of tax collectors and sinners. But he didn't just do that. He did something, didn't he? As we were looking at this morning, he took away our sins, our rags. He took them upon himself. And he clothed us with a more beautiful robe than the Indian one I was showing the children this morning. He gave us his royal robe of righteousness. What a friend. What a friend. Do you know what he said in effect? What is mine is yours. So now we find ourselves in a relationship. I'm now in a relationship with God. God is my father. The father of Jesus Christ is my father. It's like that old lady who uh, was holding a prayer meeting and nobody came, nobody turned up. It was a prayer meeting for revival. And uh, she was asked, how did it go? And she said, oh, there were four of us present. Me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good. And not only is God our Father, but we now have the heavenly... Is it Paraclete, the one who comforts? Within us. Within us. Who needs Facebook? We have the Holy Spirit within us. And then, looking at all your smiling faces, your brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. And do you know what Jesus is doing now? He's supporting you. He's speaking up at the Father's right hand. Well, I've got to wind down there, and I will stop. <laughs> I just want to finish by quoting, Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. And I just want to quote Andrew Bonnar. Andrew Bonnar, 19th century Scottish minister, friends with Robert Murray, McShane, what a friendship. Uh, you, you could look at some of the great friendships of church history, couldn't you? John Newton and Cowper. And Andrew Bonner wrote in his journal about a certain wood in Scotland where he would go to pray. And do you know what he called that wood? He gave it a nickname. He called it my wood of Ziff. Do you know why? 
he wrote, God has often strengthened my hands, my divine Jonathan meeting me there. God bless you. Uh, please pray for me as I will be going off on sabbatical and may the divine Jonathan meet with all of us and may we find that we have been refreshed and through that may we all seek to be encouragers may, may no one here be isolated that doesn't mean we all have to be in one another's homes but in our own little ways may we all seek to help one another get alongside one another and just be those who speak words that will build up rather than destroy. It was said of one minister that when you went to see him, you'd feel much better afterwards. May it be said of us, every one of us, for his name's sake. Let's close by singing together. What a friend, we, we've quoted this, haven't we? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's number 398.
So, Father in heaven, we pray for every one of our brothers and sisters here this evening uh, that none of us will feel isolated amongst thy people. And, Lord, if there are times, as there will be, when we will be in the bottom of the pits, when we'll be in darkness, O God in heaven, just ultimately help us to find our solace there in the arms of our divine Jonathan and help us all O God to look out for one another to be gentle with one another and just to be those who are encouraging one another Lord we are just so frail at best and we just ask uh, that this church will be a haven a haven for wounded souls and now may the grace uh, the sweet grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.